Turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4 this morning. And as you're turning there, in just a minute, I'm going to read Romans 14, 17 as we conclude our series uh, entitled Dr. Philippians, which we've been going through the book of Philippians together. How many of you guys have enjoyed the series? You've been getting something out of it? Fantastic, a few of you. Uh, well, hopefully you get something out of it today as well. Uh, I'm excited for summer. Um, I just got back from Alaska uh, yesterday morning, and uh, I made up for all my sleep last night. Because How many of you guys know it's hard to sleep on a plane? Um, and so... Uh, I had a hard time trying to sleep on the plane. How many of you guys ever been to Alaska? Anybody ever been to Alaska? A couple of you. Um, I went during the best time of the year because it's sunny, like 24-7. Let's light out. And it was such a trip because I'd never, actually never been to Alaska before. And uh, so like at midnight, 1 o'clock, it finally started getting dark like at 2. But it messes with your mind because you're out hanging out, you know, and doing all this stuff. And all of a sudden you look and it's like 2 in the morning. And you're like, oh man, I got to get up like in four hours, you know. And, uh, but it was fun. I was out there uh, doing a camp uh, for a, a couple hundred young people. And uh, we had a good time. So if I sound a little tired, it's actually my voice that sounds tired and not me. All right. See, I'm wide awake. And uh, my voice is a little bit tired though, but... Had a good time. Thank you guys for those of you that were praying for me. Um, lots of young people were touched this week. And uh, so it was really, really cool. Uh, you're in Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to read to you Romans 14, 17. And it says this. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the The Holy Spirit. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. We're going to read all 23 verses. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Eudodia and I entreat Syntech to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonless be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Verse 10, I rejoice in the Lord greatly, and now at length you have received your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Amen? Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians, you yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church uh, entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Ephrodites the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. 
To our God, the Father, the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. God, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that God, you would speak to us. God, I pray that for some, you would challenge them in their faith and they would grow. I pray for others that are discouraged today, that you would encourage them and lift them up. And God, I pray that we'd walk out of this place being transformed in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Uh, We started the series four weeks ago, and uh, we discovered in starting the series that the book of Philippians deals with this theme of joy. That right here in this last chapter, Paul says this, look, I, I, I know how to have nothing, I know how to have a lot, but it really doesn't matter. In all the situations I find myself, I've, I've learned to be content and I've learned how to have joy, okay? And so the overall theme of this book is joy, and, and Paul ought to know what he's talking about because we discovered um, from day one that Paul is writing this from prison, all right? And not only is he writing it from prison, but he's writing it what, uh, not knowing whether or not they're going to kill him or they're going to let him live. All right? So there's a lot going on in this guy, and it's in this place of not knowing whether he's going to live or whether he's going to die. It's in this place of being in prison, wrongly imprisoned at that, that he doesn't know if he's going to be released. But he says this, it doesn't matter. I have learned to find true joy. And so we've been going chapter by chapter, not verse by verse for time's sake, and pulling out the main theme of that chapter and how it relates to joy. Okay? And so with chapter one, we discovered this, that, that Paul realized that his true joy comes from this from knowing Christ, from having a relationship with him, and not only that, but in having this relationship with Christ, knowing that Christ is doing something in him. But it doesn't stop there, so his joy is in knowing Christ, his joy is in knowing that Christ is doing something in him, but it doesn't stop there. As you read on in chapter 1, it's knowing that Christ is doing something through him as well, okay? And if any of you have been following Jesus Christ for long enough, you know this, that, that the satisfaction does not just come, and the joy does not just come when, wow, I know Jesus, but the satisfaction comes as I daily begin to overcome uh, tribulation, and I daily begin to overcome trials with the grace that he's put on my life, but it doesn't stop there. That real joy comes when you pass this life on to somebody else. Are you with me? When somebody comes to know Jesus through you, when someone gets radically changed by the grace of God because of the testimony that's on your life. And Paul says, this is where I found joy. Okay. And in chapter 2, we dealt with the issue of humility. That Paul says this, that, that you ought to have this same mind that was in Christ Jesus. And then it goes on, begin to talk about what that mind was. And it says that it was a mind of humility. He did not consider it robbery to, to be equal with God, but to yet come down. And become human and to humble himself to die on the cross. The mind that is in Christ Jesus is a mind of humility. And Paul says that's the same mind that ought to be in you and I. And if you missed any of these, you can go back on our website and you can watch them. Um, but great, great message there about humility and through humility. Because, I mean, here, here once again, here is Paul. And not only does he not know if he's going to live or if he's going to die, but if you read the passage, he's actually wrestling with which one would be better. <laughs> He's actually wrestling, you know, well, if I die, I get to be with Christ, but if I live, I get to tarry on with you, and which I'm going to choose, I'm not sure, okay? That is a a man of humility right there. I mean, it's hard to get a humble guy down. Are you with me? I mean, here's Paul in prison. Hey, Paul, if you don't watch it, we're going to kill you. Okay, you know, because to be with Christ would be pretty fun, you know? And it's like, you know, he's wrestling with this thing. That's humility, okay? And when you're a person of humility, have you ever seen a proud person before? Um, Proud people don't laugh. They don't smile, you know, and you just want to slap them you know, <laughs> okay, but then hum- humble people, man, they walk with a smile, they're, they're joyful, all right, 
And then last week, my wife preached a message, an amazing message, on the fact that joy does not come when our confidence is in the flesh, but joy comes when our confidence is in Christ Jesus. Amazing message. That's the theme of chapter 3. That if we have our confidence in the flesh, literally we, 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 we come under pressure because now we have to perform. Now it's all up to us. It's, it's up to me and what I can do to get the job raised. It's up to me and what I can do to get the ministry position. It's up to me and what I can do to please my wife or my husband or to hopefully get a wife or a husband, all right? But man, what we realize is this, is that that doesn't bring joy. That brings condemnation. That brings pressure. That brings a performance mentality. But true joy comes when I know that my confidence is in Christ Jesus and what he did on the cross for me. All right? And so that brings joy. That brings freedom, knowing that I don't have to perform, knowing that I just have to be who I am by the grace of God. Amen? So today, what we're going to look at, we're going to look at chapter 4, and I'm just going to give it to you right now. Uh, we, can't, we can't look at the whole passage. Um, the last part of the passage, verses 10 through uh, 20, deal with a, a poverty and a riches, and, uh, and that, man, if you're focused on riches, you won't have joy. And if you're focused on poverty, you won't have joy. But if you're focused on Jesus, whether you're rich or whether you're poor, you're going to find joy. And then there's those last two verses, 21 through 23. Uh, that deal with the, the ending. But I want to focus on verses 1 through 9. Because right at the beginning of chapter 4, Paul lays out where our joy comes from. Okay? That our joy comes from, and we read it earlier, Romans chapter 14, verse 17, that our joy comes from peace. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Romans 14, 17. Okay? In other words, that our, 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 our joy has this, this track record that we can follow. Okay? And it starts off with righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is being in right standing with God. That we recognize what Jesus Christ did on the cross and that because he paid for my sins and I've received his grace, I'm now in right standing with God. I'm righteous. Okay? But it also deals with right standing with others. So when it says in Romans 14, 17 that the kingdom of God is righteousness, it's talking about right standing with God and right standing with others. Okay? And when you have that right standing with God and with others, it produces peace. The kingdom of God is righteousness, right living, peace. How many of you guys like to have peace in your household? Okay. How many of you guys, you have a roommate and you've argued with them, a spouse and you've argued with them, a son or a daughter, you've argued with them, okay, you know, you've, am I the only one that's ever argued with somebody in my house? And the tension that creates, right, when there's no peace, <coughs> excuse me, in the household, it is no fun. It could be a sibling. It could be a roommate. It could be a spouse. It could be a son. It could be a daughter. It could be a mom. It could be a dad. It doesn't matter. When, when, when there's conflict, there's no peace, there's no joy, right? You, you just don't, you want to be around them. Even when you are in the same room together, there's that tension. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Am I the only one that's felt that before? <laughs> and there's that tension in the air, and you just, oh, you know, and you're thinking all these wonderful thoughts about them, <laughs> right? There's no joy. But man, when there's peace, what happens? Man, there's joy, there's celebration, there's life happening in the house, and that is the place that we ought to be, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy, Holy Spirit. And so the theme in this first nine verses is this, is that when there is anxiety, there's no joy. But man, if you find your peace in God, you're going to have great joy. Let's look at it real quickly. The theme of this portion of Scripture is dealing with anxiety. Uh, why is there anxiety in this passage? There's anxiety in this passage because there's division. And Paul begins to deal with it right off the bat. He says, I entreat Eudodia and I entreat Syntec to agree in the Lord. Okay? If he's entreating them to agree, that must mean there is a... 
Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> a disagreement. It's really not a trick question. Yeah. yeah, if he's entreating them to agree, that means there must be a disagreement. So here it is. There's these two ladies in the church. We don't know what their, what their disagreement is about. We don't know what they're fighting about. We don't know what they're arguing. We don't know if they showed up to church on the same day or we in the same dress, you know. And like, oh, I told you I was going to wear that. You know, not that ladies ever do that, you know. We don't know if they're, you know, they're in some position of leadership, although they are in ministry, because the Bible says that, uh, Paul goes on to say that these women have labored with me in the furtherance of the gospel. So we know they're Christians, we know they're involved in church, all right, but somehow and somewhere along the way there's some friction being caused between them. The cool thing is this, is the Bible does not bring any and shed any light on what the friction is about, okay? It just says they're not in agreement together. When the Bible does that, it means this. Don't try to figure out what the disagreement's about, okay? If you needed to know that it, whether it was over carpet color choices or whether they wore the same outfit or, or whatever, or maybe they were single and they liked the same boy, we don't know, okay? But there's some disagreement going. It doesn't matter what it's over. What matters is this. The Bible focuses on this, the fact that there is a division, okay? Which tells us this today, that it doesn't matter what caused the division. It, it, has, it has no relevance Paul is saying this, God doesn't like division. Doesn't matter what it's over. It can be over anything, but God doesn't like it, okay? And so he's saying, look, guys, we need to help them. So he actually brings in a mediator. We don't know who the mediator was, but he says, you know, I, I, I entreat you, true companion. Yes, or I ask you also, true companion, help these women out. So he brings in a mediator to mediate the situation. Listen to me. Division in anything is bad, okay? It's better actually for you, you know, to, to just bite your tongue, say nothing, you know, if it's on the job place, how many of you guys have ever been in disagreement with your boss before? Yeah. That is not a fun place to be, okay? It's, it's, it's actually better to be in that place if you're the boss because you don't have to worry about losing your job. <laughs> but if you're the employee and you're in disagreement, you're, you're kind of, you've ever been there like, man, am I going to keep my job? <laughs> am I the only one that's been there before? <laughs> You know, and it's, there's that thank you, the three guys in the back. You guys are fantastic. Don't worry, I need you back there. You're not going to lose your job. Okay. Um, but yeah, and you know, then that, that tension, man, you go to work and you're walking on eggshells. You, you try not to do anything wrong. You know, you try to avoid your boss. You're walking down the hallway and there comes your boss and all of a sudden you've got to go to the bathroom. Right? You do anything at all costs to avoid that person, all right? Man, that is no fun. I, I mean, in, in, in your marriage. How many of you guys have ever had a disagreement in your marriage? Okay. I mean, it's no fun. It just, it just creates this. You just, man, uh, it can happen in a church as it did here. And you're not seeing eye to eye and you're in disagreement. And, and how do I handle that? Well, well the, the best way to handle that is this, is take it to the Lord. If it doesn't get resolved there, man, try to resolve it with the people. If it doesn't get resolved there, then a mediator has to step in and mediate. Okay? And so I have some assigned mediators. I don't like to mediate because <laughs> then I look like the bad guy. So I, I pick people. Hey, can you mediate this situation over here? <laughs> Love it. And then they look like the bad guy. Because if I look like the bad guy, nobody receives from me when I'm preaching, right? Yeah, so I got to make other people look like the bad guy. It's awesome. Love my job. <laughs> There's anxiety, okay? Here's the thing. Psalm 133 verse 1 says this. This is how much that, that God loves unity. And, and it says this, how, how wonderful, how beautiful, how awesome it is for our brethren to dwell together in unity. Now listen to me. I'm not saying this. I'm not saying we're never going to have a disagreement. I'm not saying you and your wife are never going to disagree. I'm not going to say that, that you, but man, what, what Paul is saying is if there is one, resolve it, okay? Resolve it, okay? Why does Paul want us to resolve it so bad? Because then it goes in and it begins to talk about this, all right? So he, he names that there's a division. He actually names the two people, doesn't say what it's about, just that there's division, and then he goes on to say this, okay? Division going on. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. And then our first response is like, well, come on, always? Really? I mean, really? And Paul knew you were going to say that, so he says, and again I say, rejoice. It's like he read your mind when you're reading the Bible. You know what? I know they're going to say this. They're going to say, come on. So again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Now listen to this. Verse 6. Do not be anxious about some things. No, let me read. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Okay, the reason Paul had to put that in there is because people were anxious, right? Here's division going on. The division between these two people is not only causing friction between them, because remember, Paul is not writing this to two people. Paul is writing this to all the saints, all the church in Philippi, okay? Remember that. So he's speaking to everyone at this point. Everyone's hearing this letter. Hey, guys, there's a division between these two people. I've heard that it's causing some anxiety not only in those two, but it's causing anxiety in everyone. So therefore, I'm going to have to address this issue of anxiety, Okay, And so he begins to address it. Here's what we need to understand. Is that when there is friction and division between two people, it not only affects those two people. Okay, If you have kids, and you and your spouse aren't getting along, and then you wonder why your kids are acting up that evening, don't spank them. Don't get mad at them. Look in the mirror. <laughs> I've been there before. I mean, I, you know, like, man, the kids are acting up. What is going on? You know, my wife just looks at me and goes, mm-hmm. <laughs> do you really want me to tell you what's going on? I'm just, no. You know? And I go do business with God. Seriously, every time before I discipline my daughters, okay, and the way I discipline my daughters is I do use the spoon, okay? Um, because the Bible says uh, that the rod of correction, all right, will spare your child, okay? And so I, I happen to use that method. Whatever method you use, that's fine, but don't start throwing stones at me because I use the spoon, okay? We use the spoon. And, but before I spank my daughters, there's a couple of things I do. Number one, I send them to their room first. And as I'm walking to get the spoon and as I'm walking over to their room, I literally begin to pray. And I say, God, is there some sin in me right now? Are there some issues in this heart? Uh, and, and a lot of times, yes, there is. <laughs> and so I take the spoon and I whack my nose kidding. And so, and so God deals with me, all right? That doesn't mean I still don't deal with what's going on. Because we never discipline for actions, we always discipline for attitudes, okay? Um, because sometimes kids just act weird, and there's no attitude behind it. And so we, we always look at the attitude behind the action. And aren't you glad that God does the same thing with you? Amen? And so, and so man, I will take it back to here before I discipline them. And oftentimes, man, I realize this. Maybe there's something going on in me. There's a division between me and God. Maybe it's not even between me and my wife. Okay, are you getting anything out of this today? Okay. And so we need to make sure that there's no divisions in the household. And, we, and because what happens is it creates anxiety in everybody. If there's a division on the job between you and your boss, be sure that the rest of the employees are on edge as well. All right? Have you ever seen that? It just disrupts everything. If you have more than one roommate, you ever been there before? There's like four of you living in this thing, and, and there's friction. And all of a sudden, you know, because you know that somebody's going over and talking to so-and-so trying to get them on their sides. Yeah, it's like Survivor. <laughs> you know? And you just hope you have the immunity idol. Like, no! You know? <laughs> I guess you guys don't watch that show anyway. My mom's a fan of it. I don't really watch it. My mom loves it. <laughs> Joy is being robbed. 
How does joy get robbed? I mean, it really doesn't take a lot. Uh, I mean, anxiety comes up and robs you of your joy. And, and here, let me give you the definition of anxiety real quick. Anxiety is this. It's distress or uneasiness of mind caused by fear of danger or misfortune. Distress or uneasiness of mind caused by fear of danger or misfortune. I'm going to give you my definition. Anxiety is this. Anticipating the future in a bad way and freaking out about it. Yeah, just, I'll give you a simpler definition. It's, it's, it's anticipating the future in a bad way and freaking out about it. I mean, you don't even know what's going to happen, but you've already anticipated what's going to happen. And, and too often times we anticipate it in a negative way. And we think about all the things that, that are going to happen wrong. And then we start freaking out before it even happens. You all know what I'm talking about? You know? And so, man, anxiety just whelms up inside of us. You, you think about tomorrow at work. Well, I'm probably going to get to work, and, you know, the coffee's not going to be made, and, and the boss is going to be rude, and, and that one guy. And you start thinking about your week, and you, you already thought through all the way to Friday and how bad it's going to be. And I'm probably going to have to put in, like, eight hours of overtime because there's probably going to be some massive project we're going to have to do, and, and they're not going to pay me for it because they don't pay me for anything. And I'm talking about some of your life right now, aren't I? <laughs> I'm never going to find a job. I mean, there's no jobs out there anyway. You know, I'm never going to get married. And then you get married and you're like, man, did I marry the right one? You can't win with you, you know? And there's just this anxiety. Here's what I've learned. Whatever you focus on, you end up getting. And so if you focus on how bad your week's going to be, guess what? Your week's going to be bad. As you focus on how you're never going to get married... I mean, think about it, because here's the thing. We project what we think about. And so if you're a young lady or a young man and you, you really want to get married, but you're always talking about how you're not going to get married, no one's going to want to marry you. All right, moving right along. <laughs> I mean, anxiety, man. We get, we get anxious about our job. We, I mean, we have a job, but then there, there's this continual fear of like, when's the pink slip coming? Are you with me? Okay? So there's, there's anxiety about job. You know, man, we're in a bad economy. I wonder when, wonder when my job is going to get lost. I wonder when sales are going to stop. I wonder when. Anxiety. We get anxious about having friends. We get anxious about no friends. We, man, I wonder what friend's talking about me behind my back right now. And then you don't have any friends. And you're like, man, I wish I had friends. <laughs> you know? Busyness of life, it causes Anxiety. All right? And, 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 we get, and some of you are anxious. Just talk, hear me talk about anxiousness right now. Is he talking about me? I'm so worried that he's talking about me. He's talking about me. And what's he going to do next? He's probably going to have an altar call. And I'm going to have to go up there and everybody's going to know I'm anxious. I know what's going to happen. Then everybody's going to make fun of me. And then I'll have no friends. Wait, I don't have any friends anyway. I'm never going to get married. You're <laughs> just like, you know. I found myself in the middle of studying for this as I was at that camp this last week. And I found myself, as I was studying, I found myself getting anxious, okay? Here I am, and I got there, and I preached seven times in four days, and so I'm tired, right? I'm just worn out. It stays light out till some ungodly time, and so I'm not getting any rest because it's light out. You must do something with the light. I was anxious if I didn't. I was like, oh, what am I going to do with all this light I have, you know? I'm like, I got to do something, you know? And so I got no sleep. So I'm tired from preaching. I'm tired, and, and, and you know, just, just my body's tired. And, and then they want to take me on a four-wheel excursion um, at the end of camp. And I was looking forward to this, but I'm so tired. And so then I'm anxious about how long we're going to be up there. And then as I'm driving up there, I'm looking at the gas tank. We're going to run out of gas up here, and I'm going to miss my flight. <laughs> True story. 
Man, I told the guys, like, because the thing dropped down to E, and I was like, dude, it's on E. And he goes, oh, don't worry, he does that all the time, you're fine. And so I'm anxious the whole time. And then his four-wheeler breaks down. And so now I have to pull his four-wheeler an hour and a half back down the trail. I'm anxious. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to miss my flight, I'm going to miss my flight. And then, check this out. I'm worried that I'm going to miss my flight, that they're going to keep me out there too long. Then we get off the mountain, we get in the car, and I get a text message saying my flight's delayed. And that should have been a good thing, right? Because I thought I was going to miss my flight. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, my flight's delayed, you know? And I'm anxious. And it's like, it's probably, probably going to get canceled. I'm never going to get home. They're going to keep me in Alaska forever. It's a trick they play. That's why they have Alaska. Alaska Airlines is one of the only airlines that flies to Alaska. They work together. <laughs> they do, I'm telling you. And so, so I, 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 actually, my flight actually ended up getting canceled. So then they had to put me on a different flight. So I was leaving on the red eye at midnight. Now I'm leaving at 1.40 in the morning. And now I'm thinking to myself, what am I going to do until 1.40 in the morning? I'm going to be sitting at the airport all by myself, bored. You know, they're not going to have free Wi-Fi there. So I'm not going to be able to download a movie, you know. Anxious, right? And then I go get my ticket. Now, I'm not a small guy, okay? And if you're not a small guy and you ride in coach, there's one thing you, or two things you pray for. First, you pray for the exit row. Secondly, if you don't get the exit row, you pray for an aisle seat, okay? And you literally fast and pray for it. <laughs> Usually I get them. It's not, but because my flight got canceled, they put me on another flight. I get my ticket. I'm sitting in the middle, Three and a half hours to Seattle, and in the middle, two hours and 40 minutes to San Diego from Seattle. I'm like, no. I literally, I was so tired at that point. I thought I was going to go postal. I was so tired. I was so worn down. And so now anxiety really kicked in. I'm thinking to myself, I cannot sit. I literally honestly thought about canceling that thing and finding another flight out like some other day. Because I was just like, I cannot sit in the middle for nearly six and a half hours. You feel my pain? And I was so anxious. I get on the plane, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm just praying to myself, I hope that like, there's some little short guy sitting next to me. This was my prayer. God, put a short person next to me that will be willing to switch with me and take the middle, and I can have the aisle. That was my prayer, honest to God. And so I get on the plane, and sure enough, the guy that's sitting in the aisle is already there, and he's short. I mean short, right there. And I'm like, sweet. This is God answering my prayers. Okay? And so I get in, and, and, and I look at him. I said, hey, you wouldn't mind doing me a favor would you mind switching and you take the middle and I take the aisle? And he looks up at me with his little short eyes. <laughs> Sorry. And he says, no, that's my family sitting in front of me. And I'm like, dude, they'll still be sitting in front of you. Just move over right here. No. I was so furious. You guys would have been proud of me though because I held my rage and anger inside and I just turned it into more anxiety. <laughs> And so I sit in the middle, and I'm fuming. I mean, he's like this level. I was just thinking about going, <coughs> knocking him out, picking him up, and just moving him to that seat. And I'll just be like, oh, I don't know how you got there, buddy. You know, I just, you know, there, there you are. I was so like, and, and so literally I'm sitting there, and I had to close my eyes. And I'm, I'm, I'm just like, oh. Because, I mean, the chairs are right there, so my knees are going this way. One's in this guy's space. One's in this lady's space, you know. I'm just praying that the person in front of me doesn't put their seat back, you know. I'm serious. It's bad, Okay. And so here I am sitting there, and I'm just like, oh, God, help me. God, help me. And I got so anxious, I think I started making myself constipated. I was just like, God, help me. And so I thought, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to sit up as tall as I can. And so I sat up as tall as I can. I'm sitting like this, and I just pull my head down over my, hat down over my eyes, and I'm just sitting there like, please, someone notice. Please, someone notice. Please, someone notice. I mean, it would, if you would have looked down, it would have been the funniest thing, all these people. And they're like, boop, boop, you know, right in the middle. True story. So I'm sitting there. And all of a sudden, I see this lady walking, and it's a lady that checked me in. And she's walking, and she's like the soup Nazi. She comes up, she goes, hey, you! 
I'm like, yes. I thought she like read all my thoughts and she's like kicking me off the plane. I was so like, oh my gosh, what did I do? You know? And, I, and she goes, come with me. And I'm like, okay. I was like, do I need to? Yes, grab your luggage. Okay. So I'm walking. Everybody's looking at me like, yeah, get this jerk off the plane, you know? And so I'm walking to the front and all of a sudden we stop just about off the plane in first class. She goes, take that seat right there. I was like, ah. Angels started singing. It was so beautiful. A dove descended. No, I was kidding. But it was, it was awesome. I got the ride, okay? Why do I share that story with you? I share that story because I do what so many of us do. I anticipated my whole trip in a negative way. And because I did that, think about it. I could have just sat there chilling like God's going to work this out. No big deal. It's going to work out. But instead, I made myself constipated <laughs> sitting there. Because I, oh, you know, are you with me? Okay. <laughs> Maybe you're not with me right now, but like, but hear, hear my heart, hear my heart. Here's one thing I've realized. Paul says this, be anxious for nothing. Paul uses the platform of this division not to address the anxiousness that comes through division, but he uses it as a platform to say this, hey guys, don't be anxious for anything at all. Why does he say that? He says that because what happens is, is we get so anxious in life that, that it creates all these other issues, which we're going to talk about just real quickly. It creates all these other issues in our life, all right? So the fact that we're not walking in peace, we're not producing joy, and no one wants to be around us. But as Christ followers, we should be the happiest people on the planet. Listen, no one's going to want to become a Christ follower if you're walking around all the time. Man, nice sucks. Man, 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 everything's going wrong. I'm poor, I'm broke, I'm not married, I am married. I was like, dude, what's wrong with you? I'm a Christian! Got a problem with it? You want to be one too? You know? Oh, no one wants to be you, okay? (laughs) But here's what I've noticed. Is that when we're going through those moments of anxiety, what we want is we want God to take away the thing that's causing the anxiety. But God doesn't do that. Sometimes he does. 99.9% of the time, he doesn't. What he wants you to learn is what Paul learned. I, I, right now, I could be very anxious. But you know what? I've learned something. It's not going to do me any good anyway. So right now, when everyone else is being anxious, I'm going to find peace. You can find anxiety in your situation, or if you read on, you could find, verse 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the peace of God will be with you. The peace of God. You can find peace in God, which will produce joy, or you can find anxiety in your situation, which will make you constipated. Okay? Are you, you don't believe me here. Let me just give you. How do I know that I, I'm dealing with anxiety? Do you know this, that the ADAA, the Anxiety Disorder Association of America, says $42 billion a year are spent on anxiety disorders? 14 million people in the U.S. deal with an anxiety disorder. Wow. Here's some of the, here's some of the signs they, they give for anxiety disorder. Restlessness, a feeling of being keyed up or on edge. Being easily fatigued. Tired all the time. Difficulty concentrating or a sense your mind is going blank. Some of you are like, what did you just say? Your mind's blank. You're anxious, all right? Get over it, okay. Irritability. Do you get irritated easy? This one I like, muscle tension. What's wrong with you? You've been working out? No! I'm anxious. 
a good workout, though, you know? Make you ripped, you know? Just muscle tension. On edge. <laughs> Difficulty sleeping, because you're like this. I can't sleep. I don't know why. Take a muscle relaxer. <laughs> Trembling, twitching, muscle soreness. Well, the reason your muscles are sore. <laughs> I'd be sore, too, if I were you, all right? Headaches, sweating, like I am right now because it's really warm. Chills, nausea, dizziness, shortness of breath, irritable bowel syndrome. That's what it says. Being easily started. Whoa! Did you hear it? Did you hear that? <laughs> easily startled. This is a sign. Anxiety. We focus on those things when we're anxious. <laughs> like me. I mean, every, every little time that person moved next to me on the plane when I was in the middle, I was like, Paul says this, hey, here's what I want you guys to think on. Be anxious for nothing. Let the peace of God, which surpasses all human comprehension, guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Guard you. Don't be anxious for anything. Matter of fact, here's what I want you you to think about these things. Whatever is truth, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, whatever is excellent, all things praiseworthy, Oh, and by the way, he says, don't just think about these things, practice them. Meaning this, that you're going to find times when you can be anxious. You're going to find times where anxiety can begin to whelm up inside of you. But here's what you need to do. You need to think about these things. And when you think about these things, rather than me going, ah, you need to think about, man, what's praiseworthy? What's just? What's God done in my life? Wait a second, I remember last week I had a chance to be anxious, but God worked that out. You know what, he's going to work it out again. That's the truth. Are you with me this morning? There is no point. Why is Paul, listen to me, we're going to stop right here. Why is Paul driving this home? Because anxiety is not something to be managed. Anxiety is something to be repented of. Because the minute you get anxious in a situation, you're saying, God, you don't have the ability, the authority, or the power to handle this in my life. And you have just made anxiety your God. You're so, you're so focused on, on, man, I don't have enough money. I never have enough money. What's my problem? I'm horrible at budgeting. I need to get a new job. I, I'm going to have to take a third job and a fourth. And whatever you focus on, Whatever consumes you, whatever consumes your time becomes your God. And Paul is saying this, man, do not be anxious for anything because anxiety will become your God. Rather than focusing on that, focus on Christ Jesus and find true peace. And in finding true peace, find true joy. Anxiety is not something to be managed. It's not something to be medicated. Anxiety is something for you to take to God and say, you know what, God? I didn't trust you in this. But yet the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. In all your way, acknowledge him and he will direct direct your path. There is not one path in your life that that he will not direct if you just give it to him. God, I want to get married someday. Good, give it to him. God, I need a better job. Give it to him. God, I need a home. God, I need this. God, good, give it to him. Acknowledge him in that. Focus on what he will do. He'll direct that path. Stop being anxious. Stop focusing on anxiety. Focus on the king of kings. And the peace of God, which surpasses all human comprehension, will guard your heart 
and your mind in Christ Jesus, and you'll have joy. God, we